0: This episode of Behind the Bliss is made possible by our generous donors. If you love our show and would love to join our patrons, head over to BehindTheBlissPodcast.com
1: and click give. Or head to www.patreon.com forward slash Bliss. Thanks! Welcome to the Behind the Bliss
0: podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss, I'm your host, Rachel Autry, and today I am so excited to have on one of my new friends, Tara Brimmer. Tara is the founder of House Peace, which is based in Birmingham, Alabama, and it exists to organize and simplify homes. It's bigger than a company, though. Tara shares her heart behind what it means to have an orderly home and what it does for your family and yourself when things are put where they belong. It's all spurred on from their adoption story. Tara needed to create a safe space in her home for her family, and today she's sharing with us how we can all do the same. If you need a little bit of order brought to your mess, if you need your stress levels taken down a few notches, or if you're interested in adoption or want to hear a little bit more about the process, then this episode is for you. So sit back and enjoy while learning a few things from my conversation with Tara. Hey, Tara. Hey, Rachel. How are you? I'm so good. I'm glad to have you on the show. We have so much to talk about and to cover. You just are, I feel like, an expert of many areas, so we're just pumped to pick your brain. You are
1: very sweet to say that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> no, for real. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your business, about your family. Who is Tara?
1: Okay, well, you said business first, so I'll will answer that. So my business is called House Peace, and uh, we do in-home organizing. I, I started it five years ago, and it really is Um completely interwoven with my family. (laughs) So um, they kind of go together. But um, I'm a mom of three kids. I've got a 13 year old boy, a nine year old boy and a seven year old girl. Um, And my husband, Dave, and I've been married for 21 years, which is super weird to think about because um, if we would have kids like right away, which we didn't, um, I'd like be a meme all by now. <laughs> because <laughs> what, we've been married I, so long. <laughs> so,
0: I love it. Okay, wait, 21 years.
1: Twenty one years. Yeah. Y'all have learned a lot, I bet. Um, we've learned a few things. Um my background, my education background is counseling and psychology. So um, you know, Dave and I are super into like personality tests and, you know, um counseling and how can we respect each other? You know, he's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. How does that play out in our marriage? I mean, it's super relative, not relative, but relevant, relevant, Um, because, you know, we're living with each other and we do not think the right. same thing the same way. You know what I mean? Like when we we're first married. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I was really young. I was 20 when I got married. And um so he would come home from work. I was a student. I was finishing up my last semester of college. He would come home from work and I would do the whole thing. Dinner on the table, like probably some candles, like welcome home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh my gosh, you have got to calm down. And I'm like, what? And I would like plan all this." This is the life thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I don't know why it's I thought funny. that was the way. I mean, my mom wasn't. My mom was a great and is a great homemaker. Um, But it's not like anybody ever said to me, you have to do this. I just thought I was supposed to. So anyway, what was funny is he's like, I need you out my face a little bit. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Isn't marriage just like a big slumber party and it's fun and we do all these things? Um, And it it hurt my feelings at first when he was like, "Um, back off a little. I'm like, what? Um, But then as we've grown and learned and changed, I'm just like, hey man, you're an introvert and I love you. I don't totally understand you, but I totally do respect that. And you know what? We have a man cave that I don't go in.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah. It's like, well, for me, when we first got married, I realized that respect looks a lot different than what I feel like the servant Christian woman household I always thought was supposed to exist is. Does that make sense? So yes. respect doesn't have to be, you know, the house is vacuumed, the bed is made and there's hot dinner on the table. Respect for Thomas could be, you know, encouraging him to have a hobby or respect could be yes. just making time to have conversation over leftovers, you know, just, it doesn't have to be what I feel like Hollywood has made it out to be. And I got so wrapped up in that too. That got discouraged in the moments I couldn't do it. I felt like I was failing him and yeah. I'm so glad you just spoke that because it brought a lot of freedom to me too right now because, oh my gosh, if I look behind me out of my office, like the living room is a wreck and all of these things, but like a clean house means a lot to Thomas,
1: but that's not how he feels respected, you know? Right, That's what men really want. They really do. Oh my gosh. I would plan every evening of our weekend with friends like when we were first married, I'm like, we're going to play cards on Friday. We're getting Chinese on Saturday and Sunday or, you know, <laughs> and he was like, no. So, you know, that's not, that doesn't at the surface, like in a traditional way, seem like a respect thing, but it really was. He was like, I don't want to hang out all the time. I don't. I'm like, I don't get that, but okay. (laughs) Gosh. Oh, my gosh. So my family is a little um, different. Um, Actually, not that different for Birmingham um, because uh, my daughter is Chinese. She was adopted from China five, no, six years ago now. Um, And what's funny is we lived in upstate New York before that and had already logged all of our paperwork into China and were set to go. Um, And then God moved us to Birmingham and we were like, what? Weird. Why Birmingham? It, it seems so random to us because we had lived in the Northeast for 10 years and none, neither one of us is from this area. And we got here and the adoptive community, I don't know if you've run into this, but it's huge. and Huge, it's, yes. Um You 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 can't go to Costco without seeing a white mom and an Asian child. I promise you can't. So like (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, this is cool. There's like all these adoptive families around here. Um, You can cut that if you want. I don't know if that if if that could go off wrong (laughs) with somebody. But okay, Um, you know interracial adoption was not a thing where I lived in upstate New York. Um, actually really no adoption was, I knew one family who had adopted and they did it through a lawyer. Um, and, and it was a white family who adopted white kids and, um, they didn't do any training or anything like that. Like in an adoption agency, you have to, you have to get together with other adoptive families and do all kinds of like training about trauma and, um, attachment and stuff like that. So when we got here and then, um, we got linked up with the, um, international adoption clinic, which is a really important clinic here in, um, they're part of UAB, but they're at children's South and they like medically assess adoptions, um, through the, the kids files and stuff. So they can help adoptive parents, like know what special needs are coming up or, you know, what certain things might mean on a case file, because so many times you're adopting, kids with, with special needs, especially from China. So at any rate, we were like, Oh my gosh, Birmingham is awesome. We're so glad to be here. So at any rate, it took a few more years after we um, moved here, but we brought our daughter home in 2013. And, and like I said earlier, she's seven now, so she's been home a while.
0: Okay. So quick math. How old was she whenever you brought her home? Was she an infant? No. Um,
1: she was 19 months. 19 months. So okay. a toddler. 19 months. Wow. Bringing home a traumatized toddler was um, super difficult for her. And for us, it was just, we were so glad to have a ton of support um, in the area. So, you know, that, that was probably, yeah, that. it was one of the biggest lessons we learned was we can't um, we can't do this alone, you know?
0: Totally, yeah. We're just the support group I'm sure meant in the world. What did the integration look like bringing home a toddler with kids that were biological that were already in the household and new life as it was?
1: I mean, my kids, my boys were pretty excited. So at the time, my big boy was seven and my middle child was three. It was real hard on a three-year-old. Um, in fact, I tell people, I'm like, unless, is, unless God is specifically saying adopt ASAP, I'm like, wait till your youngest is like in kindergarten, please. (laughs) Because (laughs) having like the three-year-old and then a -a one-and-a-half-year-old, it was just a difficult time. And I think it's very dependent on my personality, which is I have a harder time with preschool-age children, um, even my own. It's just, it's a time of um, a lot of hands-on. And I just kind of struggle with anxiety sometimes. And so just the nature of the demandingness of that time And then having two at that age, it was not great. Like there's a whole year of my, my oldest son's um, schooling that I do not remember. Okay. You want to talk about like mom of the year. I don't feel great about that. (laughs) Like there was one point I was going (laughs) through in my head. I was like trying to remember all of his teachers. I don't know why I'm like, okay, kindergarten first, second, third, you know, and I couldn't remember his second grade teacher could not remember who it was he's in seventh grade now it's not like he's 30 do you know what i mean right so (laughs) like and there's a number of things i don't remember from that year because it was just so stressful and um just trying to help her because you know she didn't obviously speak english she actually didn't speak um much at all so um and just can you imagine i I do try to put my myself in her shoes can you imagine like leaving every single thing you've ever known yeah Like, and I think a lot of um, well-meaning, maybe Americans, maybe other people do this too in other countries, but like you think, oh, I'm going to provide this great life for this child. I'm just going to go get him, you know, and it's like, well, it's called, there's a term, it's something like necessary trauma. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's like where – you you do think that you're going to provide a better life for them, so you go to China and you bring them home. But, like, that is traumatic. We hurt her, and other adoptive parents hurt these kids by taking them. Yeah, well, she only knows what she knew. Right, right. And, and no matter what, like, smells are different. Food is different. Um, faces are different. Everything is different. And so we've traumatized her. So we have to, like, heal from that trauma that we inflicted on her, plus whatever else she came with, you know, which we may not know about because she doesn't talk, you know. Yeah. Gosh. So, um, it's a ton of work, and I've I've thought a lot about this since you and I started communicating. Like, I wish I could say, um, specific stories, but um, it's so weird because what if she listens to this one day? And you know, I, I've I remember doing like adoption training and stuff, and they're like, protect your child's information, and you know, when when kids are little. I mean, you see this with biological children, too. People just bleh, like put all the information on social media, like about potty training, yeah. about, you know, really, you know, stuff that maybe they wouldn't like when they're older, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And so we got to rein it in. So, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, my daughter is everything to me and I tell her that I'm like, you're everything. She's like, well, if I'm everything, can I have some ice cream? I'm like, you little <laughs> turkey. <laughs> so um it really is hard. I mean, I can't wait someday to tell her stories about these things. But at the same time, we got a long way to go before she's going to have any sort of cognitive understanding of what she went through, you know? Right. Gosh. So um I it's a very long story, but I have two step adopted
0: brothers who um, came from oh, wow! Yeah, my mom's marriage. So my dad passed away when I was in high school. My mom got remarried a few years ago, and her husband now and his wife, before she passed away, adopted these two boys who they are not related biologically, um, and then one is a few years older than the other, but they were adopted stateside um, as infants, and so they don't know any different. So they didn't go through that integration season and this rude change, you know, of awakening to a whole new world and having to get used to things because they were just getting used to being out of a right. in the first place. So yeah, uh, they didn't know any different really. Um, but it's so cool to get to know them and to see them and for them to look completely different from me and to claim them as brother and friend and all these things that adoption looks so different than what people think it does a lot of times. And there's a lot of different adoption stories. Yeah, and, like, your adoption story is going to be different from my brother's adoption stories. And and my – I mean, now I'm pulled into their adoption story, which is beautiful. But, like, I never would have thought I was signing up for that. You know, and it's just so cool how quickly this world is coming around to – just adoption, how normal it is, especially here in Birmingham, like you said. earlier. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So normal. Absolutely.
1: In fact, it was so funny because right before we um, hopped on the mic here, I got an email from my adoption agency and they're like, hey, we heard that you sometimes help adoptive families get their house organized for um, adoption purposes, which that does look like a different organizing job than, you know, Um, maybe our standard one. And I was like, this is so neat. Yes, I want to help adoptive families because especially um, with foreign adoptions, like there's just um, a lot of stimulation, overstimulation, chaos, you know, and if we can help in the home by like getting rid of papers and, you know, whatever the parents need to like create some peace, then that's just that much better for everybody. And there's a thing called secondary trauma, which um, is, it kind of just, in my case, it refers to my own trauma that happened really due to my daughter's trauma. And that season for me looked like um, eating my feelings in chicken minis Amen. and <laughs> Starbucks mochas. And I, I gained 30 pounds over, overnight overnight. I have never struggled with my weight. And, um, so when that happened and all of a sudden my jeans are tight, I'm like, what's happening. <laughs> um, so, and that looked like me going on anxiety medication and that looked like me crying a lot. Like just trying to say like, Hey, h- help somebody help me. Yeah, it was a cry um, for help. Lord, yeah. I'm drowning. It really was. And you know, a, a lot of neat things have come out of that, but it wasn't super fun to go through at the time. <laughs> uh, my own secondary trauma, but it is real and um you know if there's if there's anything that comes out of house peace it's like i would love it to be a place where you know women can either avoid that secondary trauma or start climbing out of it even if it's not adoption related but like life is hard right i mean we all have our thing yeah there's um there's deaths in the family there's um blended families there's Ugh, chronic illness. There's just so many things. And like I guess my thought is if there's some stuff that I don't need to think about because it's kind of a well oil oil machine, then that's what I want to do.
0: You know what I mean? I love it. I'm so glad you brought it up. I wanna move into house peace and what it is and what it means for you and a little bit more of your heart behind it. And I think from what I'm hearing, it sounds like really truly the adoption agency and just having already a natural knack at life hacks and getting things in order kind of birthed this company and this business of what it is of wanting to do that in other people's homes what kind of benefits emotionally spiritually mentally do you think that having a clean and orderly not even clean necessarily an orderly yeah. and well-kept house have to do with you know the piece that we have inward as well as yeah. the actual house piece too
1: well I, I quote this study all the time. People are probably tired of hearing me say it, at least in my circles. Which is, um, there's a study that was done that shows that women who are exposed to clutter, physical clutter, their cortisol levels go goes up. You know, yeah. And so, as the clutter goes up, the cortisol goes up, and cortisol as we know, is uh, the stress hormone. And so as clutter increases, our stress increases. It is not the same for men. Men don't have that same um, stress reaction to clutter. I don't know what that means. (laughs) But (laughs) I will say that House Peace almost exclusively serves women. We've had a couple men call us for jobs. Um, But like if you were to look at my Instagram analytics, it's 95% women, 5% men. Um, So I think you know, I did start the business actually about six months after my daughter came home because I was like, I I noticed how much organizing calmed me down. And uh, that's not even the right term. It just, it did bring that sense of peace. If I could have an orderly drawer that was going to do what I want it to do, which is have some pens and a stapler where I want it every time I want it, like that feels like a win. If I can't win at, like going to the grocery store. Cause listen, going to the grocery store is one of my least favorite chores, unfortunately. Um, so like that would bring me stress, but say, you know, making my closet um, look tidy, that made me happy. And like, there came a point where I was like, well, I've pretty much done all I'm going to do in my house, you know, besides maintain. So I thought, you know, I can do this for other women and maybe they'd even want to pay for that service. That would be cool. And they do. Um, and, and they do, they do. Um, and I've, got give or take 10 or so employees who, um, have the same kind of vision. Um, so we don't work full time by any stretch, but we, you know, just pick up jobs when they come and sometimes they're big jobs. Um, sometimes they're little, but, um, back to your original question, I feel like I got off track a little bit. (laughs) Um, I just think that, you know, if there's something I can let go of and not have to be constantly making a decision about. Then I want to do that. Yeah, that's um, good. like I said, I I struggle in my mothering, particularly with younger ones. But still, I think mothering's hard no matter what. Even my thirteen year old, I've I've got certain things I'm dealing with with him, and um and I have to think and pray and talk a lot about it, <laughs> you know. So, but organizing isn't the thing I struggle with. So if I can come home and my house is uh, tidy and my kids can be a part of that solution, I. I just think that that if my if those cortisol levels can go down then my you know the things that really matter like my kids or my husband or myself like that's not that that can be the thing that I focus on and make decisions about you know and be intentional right. about.
0: Right. Like if everything else is being taken care of it's easier to focus on. It's funny how it works because we can focus on the things that matter the most but the things that matter the most if those are the least bit stressing us out and then we open up our closet and the shoes fall out and things are messy. That's normally my breaking point. You know, how like, yes, it can go in both directions. And so if Thomas and I maybe are in a fuss and I just need some space and I have a space to go to to calm down that when I open that closet door or, you know, my office door, I'm not just overwhelmed with something else to add to the pile. It's like, okay, at least my office is taken care of.
1: That's right. That's right. And like, I think we have a lot more control, then, you know, I mean, people throw around the word control, right? They're like, you just want to have a lot of control. And I'm like, well, yes. Don't we all? Yeah, We all want to have like mastery over something. I mean, God made us that way. He said, you know, have, be the master and caretaker of the earth. And so in some ways, you know, I I mean, I do garden, but I'm not a farmer, so I'm not having to take care of the earth, but like (laughs) I can take care of my things and like have that not be the thing that I'm worried about. You know, my kids have a thousand variables. My husband has a thousand variables, but there's no variables with my shoes. They're just either in the right place or they're not, you know? And I think the other thing, um, is that I'm giving my kids a sense of, um, responsibility and independence. I mean, they know, they know where their shoes go now. Do they always do it? No, but like they, I just feel like they've got a little bit of a leg up than say maybe plenty of adults that I know, um, in that they can, they could run a household. I feel like they could, they know that after dinner we clean up, they know that after we clean up, we run the dishwasher. They know, they know the cycle. And so, you know, they're going to be ready in that way to be launched. And that's, that's a success. I mean, there's plenty of men in particular who don't know how to do their laundry when they go to college. So, I mean, that's a simple thing, but, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I do do it all right or well, but um, there's a couple things that I think I'm I'm good at. And that's one of them, I guess.
0: No, I love it. Oh, and the, what you brought up about control is on point with what I feel like I've been walking through and what I feel like the Lord is revealing to me in the season is there's this whole motion of let go and let God and you know, lose control and have him take over. Yeah. And yes, like I want God to do everything he wants with my life and more. And when I don't surrender, I want him to make me surrender and all of those things. But there is no such thing as stewardship if we don't have a bit of control. And there's no such thing as responsibility if we don't have a slight bit of control. And if all of our decisions were to be made for us because we don't have control, then there wouldn't be a relationship and a choice and that ownership over our friends, our home, our relationship with Jesus, anything. And so control is not bad. And to want control is, I mean, and it can be unhealthy. It can be fleshly, but that is, that is a, has like a heavenly and eternal and biblical principle too. And, you know, it's when it talks about in Luke, I think it says, um, like he who can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And, if you can't put your shoes mm-hmm. where they belong, how do you expect that, you know, lender to approve approve you for a loan, for a mortgage, for a house? You know, like, can you take care <laughs> of the things that are so right. small? Because if so, then like you can do everything else. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I, I guess I don't, I don't know what the disconnect is, why there's, I mean, and I'm biased because I'm in some of the, you know, messier houses, so. I'm not in as many pretty houses. I mean, I'm in some pretty houses, you know what I'm saying? But like, why why did we get there? Because there's lots of successful, I'm talking like, we've been hired by lawyers, TV producers, um, you know, very successful people in their work and have awesome kids and all that. But like, the house has been a disconnect. And I, I don't really know if that is just an attention thing. Is it? you know, how you were parented, what, what is it? I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter um, what, what the reason is for, but people often like our clients, they do not know where to start. They know that they're overwhelmed. They know they don't like it, but you know, you kind of use the example of like shoes falling out in the closet. Like they, they look, they step back and they're like, I can't, I can't. Mm -hmm. And then they'll go do something else. And so I think that's, The beauty of like a business like mine or say a a good friend who you trust, you know, can come in and say, I love you. Um, I want you to trust me. Your secrets are safe with me. I can help you. And you don't need that pair of shoes. These are awesome. Keep those, you know, like someone a little voice a little angel on your shoulder to say hey it's okay you just you just need permission i'm not overwhelmed by your stuff i know you are but i'm not we got this i want to hold your hand oh, you know it. yeah and we need that help truly
0: because i mean other people that come from the outside into the clutter or into your inside whether it's in your mind or in your home like a lot of times they're the ones pointing to the vision that you're supposed to have because they have the most clarity for you because we see the mess and we see the behind the scenes and the clutter and all of that every day. So to have someone external third party is so important.
1: Yes, it is. And I actually talk about that all the time with my clients because I'm like, hey, you don't have to be embarrassed because we have had some tears and some shame, you know, like from clients. They're just, they're not happy that we're seeing it. And I'm like, hey, listen, this is a problem to be solved. This is not a big deal. You're solving it by calling us. it's not a character flaw. It's not a defect. There's nothing wrong with you. For whatever reason, you didn't learn how to, you know, be the boss of your stuff. And I want to teach you how to do that. So yeah, I think about that all the time.
0: I love it. Oh my gosh. And what is it that you've seen that this does for like your spirit and your soul to be able to be at rest when you have a clean home? Have you seen that be a correlation? And Not that necessarily have to talk about testimonies, but I'm kind of interested to hear like what at least it does for you and your family when, like you brought up earlier, kids. Like children have a space to grow up in like a clean and uncuttered and, you know, less of a chaotic home than, you know, maybe kid homes normally are. I'm just so interested in your intake on that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think my kids are pretty – creative. They are not perfect. I will tell you all the bad things about them if you want, (laughs) but like they, they will pull out a board game. They will pull out kinetic sand and they know where that stuff is. So when I say, Hey, we're done with screens with the exception of my daughter, she struggles a little bit with finding things to do, um, to play independently. But I think that's partially her age. Um, and also being the only girl, I mean, she's been saying to me, she's like, I want a sister. I'm like, Mommy ain't got no more <laughs> womb. Okay. I just think <clears throat> it gives room for creativity. My my oldest son in particular needs a lot of time to do everything he does. He does not do anything fast. Nothing. He doesn't shower fast. He doesn't get ready for school fast. Sweet, boy, but you know what? Like he is given the space. I know. I know he's so leisurely. I need to use that term with it. That. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um he he does, but like, um, when he is given the space, he excels, he's responsible. I mean, again, not perfect. I didn't know he had Boy Scouts last night. So I was very grumpy last (laughs) minute when I had to take him to Boy Scouts. But, um, you know, in general, I don't, I don't prod him to do homework. I don't prod him to practice his instrument. Like he just does it. And I think that's because we've created an environment that is not overwhelming and stressful. I mean, I think there's a, again, there's a million variables. So I'm not saying have a clean house and your child will practice their flute. (laughs) I'm not saying that. Um, But I am saying um, it, it doesn't hurt them. It helps them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's funny because I've been turning, um, a room upstairs in my house. Um, it is, we call it the TV room. There's a TV and like a, um, sideboard that it sits on and a couch. It's a good size little room. And we just play like the Wii up there or, um, what else do we have up there? I don't know. They'll build forts and stuff. And I've decided recently to make it a little bit funner (laughs) because, um, the way the architecture of my house is, and I do think architecture like very much can inform, um, how you relate to your family. So my house is completely open concept on the bottom um, in terms of kitchen, dining, living. It's a big open cavern. And what happens is we're all in each other's face all the time. So if someone is in the living room and someone's in the kitchen, they're like, we're talking to each other. I'm like, I'm three rooms away. Please do not you no, know, come to me. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and your so introverted always...
0: husband is thriving,
1: I bet. Yeah. Oh gosh. He's like, I'm out of here. Bye. And so anyway, I'm like, I really need the kids to play upstairs more. And some of this is my fault. Okay. Like I said, I struggle with anxiety and in particular with little ones, like I had a really hard time with like letting them out of my sight. Um, I think because just deep down I was scared, always just scared. And wanted to be everything to them. And I I don't think that was on a conscious level at all. But um, anyway, so I never really encouraged a lot of playing in a different place than me. Um, I never even did like a pack and play or a playpen. I really regret that I didn't. I think that a child who is confined for a short amount of time with developmentally appropriate um toys or limits that can be a good thing when done correctly and I just never did and so it was hard I was harder on myself do you know what I'm saying I set it up yeah. so anyway all that to say I want my kids to play upstairs they are they can go play upstairs so I've been making um, our TV room into more of a playroom and my my middle child was hilarious he goes mommy this can't be a playroom because you know what playrooms have toys all over the floor and I laughed and laughed and laughed I'm like well there's not going to be toys all over the floor unless we're actively playing <laughs> so it just was funny because somehow he knew playroom equals chaos and i'm like no playroom means space it means space to do fun things like dress up legos um blocks my kids just got guinea pigs two of them did and they've been like making these mazes with blocks for the guinea pigs to run through thanks to youtube kids by the way <laughs> for that oh, idea I love it. um i know so like certainly Space can inform how we interact with each other, you know? And so all that to say, I want I want my kids to um, utilize the fullness of our house. I mean, it's not a humongous house at all, but I'm like, go upstairs. I love you. Be away from me, please. Yeah. Give me the space. Yes. Um, and yeah, here's yeah. like
0: what makes my heart so happy in hearing all this is because I'm not a mama, but I hopefully will be one day, Lord willing. And when I'm thinking through all this, And even as a wife, I see this too, but it is, I like to think at least it's my responsibility to be the gatekeeper of my house and to help set the foundation of like order and playtime and be able to control like what comes in and what goes out. And what's so beautiful about that is, and what you do is really like you're helping families and maybe even moms, it sounds like specifically women create this place in their house that sets the tone for their family so that their husband can come home and maybe like you said earlier in the beginning of the conversation they don't have like the warm cooked meal or you know the candles lit and all those things but they have a place and they have a home and they have somewhere that they can feel like heard and loved because it's been prepared well for them and absolutely that's I think so beautiful and we could get into the whole like sexist conversation. But like for me, what I'm <laughs> convicted like as a woman and how Thomas feels most loved is when I just create space and create time, whether that's like intimacy or whether that's just a conversation about his day or that is making him a meal or making sure that our books are put away on the bookshelf. Like there's a way for us women to love our friends, our family, our spouses well by just creating that that place in our home. And for guests.
1: Yeah, I, that's right. I was just about to say that. You said for friends, like us having friends over for a meal is a no brainer. Like we could do it at the drop of a hat, pretty much, um, because things are generally moving the way, you know, things are put away or, you know, whatever. And even if they're not put away, it's an outlier and I, it doesn't bother me. You know, I don't have that sense. It's of, not the standard. It's not, yes. And so I don't, th- again, a clean house isn't our righteousness at all, but I do hate how like so many times, especially um women, when you go to someone's house and they're like, I'm sorry, my house is a mess. I'm like, I'm never going to say I'm sorry. I, no, we're not saying sorry that my house is a mess. It's either just going to be like, hi, welcome, or, you know, whatever. I, my house typically isn't a mess, but there's definitely times. And I always think it's funny when like a neighbor will come by or something and like, there's like a disaster on the floor or whatever. And they they know I'm house piece, but they don't really know me. And I'm just like, oh, I wish I could know what you're thinking about right now. (laughs) But (laughs) I do like that I can have people over um, pretty much whenever. And it's a joy. I love having like one of my friends, Amanda, she lives down the street from me. I'm like, listen, Amanda, for me to be happy, I need to have dinner with your family like once a week. So we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. Get over here. Come have some chicken.
0: <laughs> right. And I hate when when I mess up something or I can't do something well and therefore it like takes away an opportunity for me to do something well. So for example, like if my, you know, Let's well, say my house was an absolute wreck, like really, truly a wreck. And I had a friend say, like, "Hey, I'm having a really hard day. Can I just come over?" And I have to feel this like guilt or shame or maybe even decline, like as a friend, because I don't have that space already prepared to create. And I'm not saying it has, like you said, it doesn't have to be perfect all the time. But hopefully, like being tidy, and being organized, and having the space is, you know, is the norm rather than. You know, the the magical moment that it right. is all put together. But right. thinking through, like, I would hate for her to not feel welcomed into my home because it is a disaster and her know that I'm uncomfortable in this rather than just like always having this place, like I said, not perfect, but prepared for anything that can happen for someone to come through. And that I think is just being a great host.
1: I think so, too. And I think, you know, there are people who would love to host and love to do things and they just they're. Their homes are not in a position. And I know it's probably hard for some of your listeners to imagine because I feel like your listeners are probably super awesome and together. Like, so their houses are probably like, you know, spick and span. Um, <laughs> but like the people who I'm seeing, the clients whose homes we're going into, they they are not, I mean, we're talking like a dining room table buried in junk. Okay. okay. Like the family's not eating at a table. I get this. Neither is company. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, certainly, um, it, I guess it just depends on your priorities, too. I think that this there has to be some introspection done from the client by saying, like, what is it that I want to do? What gives me life? What gives me energy? What's draining me? And maybe it's the clutter, and maybe I need to outsource that. I mean, I outsource things all the time, and not many people know this. I probably should say, say this more often, but it just doesn't come up. I have someone who comes clean my house twice a month, and I don't mean, like, tidy up. I tidy it. Like my kids are like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, the floors are cleaned up. Um, there's, you know, cl- toys are put away. Everything's put away. She comes in, she cleans the bathrooms, she vacuums all the floors and she dusts and cleans the kitchen, uh, meaning wiping everything down. So yeah. that is me outsourcing something that I don't particularly enjoy. And that's okay. It yeah. is okay. Yeah. Other people outsource their lawn work or outsource whatever. You can outsource like, Organization or someone to like coach you on how to do that. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah. So let's say you are maybe a listener who actually, you know what? We're just going to talk about me for a second because I'm a great example, I think. (laughs) I don't, I, I have order. Like my house, everything has a place except for my office because we just recently moved and I'm working through like, where do things go? Where can I create this space for my office things? And so there's a lot of papers because hashtag tax season just happened. And uh, there's a lot yes. of, yeah, i just like blog things like collaboration material, just kind of hanging out everywhere till I get these projects tied up. And so let's say you're someone like me who has like a small area of their home that really just needs attention. Like what are some tackle points? Like what are some ways that we can de-stress, bring cortisol levels down so that we're not so intimidated going into this process? Just real quick. I just want to hear
1: kind of like, do you bring me at ease at least? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So as it relates specifically to like papers and work. Sure. Yeah. One thing that I do like to do is to, show, um, clients or friends or whoever, how to, um, use technology for them. And like, I think, I don't know what it is. Okay. I'm 42. I don't know. I don't think that's old, but a lot of my friends are like, I'm so old. I don't know how to use my iPhone. I'm like, you're 32. (laughs) Like, why don't you know how to use this? But like, one thing I like to do as it specifically relates to paper and this will get super more relevant um, even when, when you have school age children because they just keep coming home with stuff. But like, I like to use Evernote. You should ask them to sponsor this episode, by the way. Um, I like to use Evernote. Yes, Evernote. <laughs> Do you use Evernote? Evernote. Are you listening? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Mary Scott and I, my co-host and I love Evernote. It's just – yeah. Go ahead. I, I yeah. bet you're going to talk about what my favorite part is.
1: Well, what one thing I do, and I'm actually going to pull it open on my phone while we're talking just so I can remember. Oh, except I'm on airplane mode um, so that I wouldn't get interrupted. Um, I like to use Evernote for things that I do need to reference later, and then I chunk it, like chunk the piece of paper. And I like Evernote because it has that camera feature where you could take a picture of the paper, and it makes it look like a photocopy. It doesn't look like a picture. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like scanning it. Yeah. It's almost like a scan. Yeah. So one of my favorite folders in my Evernote is, I'm scrolling down, I have one for every school year. So this year it says school year 2018, 2019. So that's the notebook. And then I open it up and under there I have um, a note that says Gigi, a note that says Calvin, and a note that says Tucker. And so like under Gigi's, it has um, her schedule. Like when she came home from first grade in the first few days and the teacher's like, we do reading at 845 and you know, like I would kind of like to know that, but I'm not I do not want to hold on to that paper. You know what I mean? And then we've got like login information or um, a class directory, that kind of stuff. So things that I would need to reference, but I do not want to hold on to that piece of paper. I'll do the same for like um like my big boy. He's taken several like big school trips, like one to Washington, DC, and we're about to go to Orlando with his band. Um, So I'll have a whole folder in there. So I do not have to have those actual pieces of paper. Um, So that's the first thing when it comes to like office stuff. And then I like to have an inbox. I have a, I forget, I think it's three tiered. I have a three tiered inbox um in my corner cabinet of my kitchen because corner cabinets are the worst um they're very difficult to yes utilize. they
0: are and like what do you even put in here i
1: know and and i'm short so i you know the, they're really tall and awkward whatever i have a stool i just carry around with me all the time um so i have this inbox in there and like the bottom level is like house piece stuff the middle level is like stuff i'm gonna get too soon like so when i was getting all my tax um statements and stuff I would just throw those in there in the top level. I don't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all stuff that's going to be either referenced or used in the next like month. And I kind of do need the piece of paper just to make it, you know, easier. Like it, I could, I guess, put my tax stuff into Evernote, but that seems like a little bit of a pain when I just need to look at the numbers real quick, you know, um, while I'm doing my TurboTax. <laughs> okay. They can, they can sponsor the show too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then I just throw pieces of, I throw papers away like crazy. Now you have to like search your heart and find out if that's okay for you. So like, I don't keep mortgage statements. I don't keep bank statements. I use them. I shred them and I chunk them because we can get all that online. And I've had people say right. like, oh gosh, but what if, what if, what if? And I'm like, if you can't access your bank statements online, there's been a zombie apocalypse and we have bigger problems yes, to worry yes. about. Than yes. You know what I'm saying? So... So I don't, you know, I, I do throw away a lot of papers. I have some files that I keep, but it's very tiny. It's real small. Um, I'm trying to think what other paper stuff. Oh, I do keep, personally, I use a, a paper planner, like, I, you know, an actual book because I think better that way. Um, and by the way, that is not a failure. I had a friend the other day. She's like, I'm so sorry. I keep a paper uh-uh, calendar. I do too. And I'm like, so yeah. do I. Oh my gosh, I I think every like businesswoman, podcaster, influencer, any of these you know busy women I know they all use paper. It's fine. Yeah, um, team Day Designer. Yeah, nice. Mine I don't know. I like I like it. I don't like my cover. It's um, Jay Story. I don't know. I bought it off of Instagram. I am the person who buys things off of Instagram huh. anyway. Jay Story. Yeah, Mochi Mochi something. Anyway, um, so I keep all my old planners because I do actually reference them like for mileage, for again, back to taxes and stuff like that. And I feel like to me being in the home, um, in people's homes, I like to kind of have a record of what I've done. Should anything ever come up and someone say, Hey, do you remember what we talked about here? And I can go back and look if I need to. So those are things that I do keep, but I'm fine with sticking those in the attic yeah, or something. Yeah. You know? Oh my
0: gosh, amazing. You just answered so many of my questions. I'm so glad you just did that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. okay, we do this really fun thing that this kind of moves really swimmingly into. But um, at the end of every episode, we ask what the things are that you're loving these days, whether it's something you're reading or listening to or using, just something that these people
1: need to know about. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I could think of a thousand things, I bet. Um, (laughs) And it doesn't even have to be, like, housepiece related. Just
0: truly anything that you're like, wow, everyone needs to know about,
1: fill in the blank. Okay. Okay. Um, Well, this relates to my Instagram a little bit. Um, I did a post the other day. It was kind of a silly post where – I made a joke about the things my husband buys on Amazon, like hatchets and rope yes, and stuff, I saw that. Um, because because <laughs> yes. <you> <laughs> he likes to build build trails in the woods. And I just made a joke about true crime, um, but I do love true crime. I, I'm probably the last. Well, I've been reading true crime since I was a little girl, but like I am on a major binge right now because there's so much interesting stuff. And I think this goes back to my my. Um, academic history like I love psychology I love forensic psychology um there's a part of me that wishes I was a criminologist um and I think it's just interesting anyway as a human like what goes wrong what trauma happened to a right. person like, that made you them would
0: choose to do that right yeah
1: oh gosh I can't stop thinking about it and like I can't wait for- <laughs> this is gonna sound so messed up I can't wait for my kids to be old enough to like binge on this with me <laughs> Because my mom and I, when I was like a teenager, we would would watch Dateline, like appointment television to the max. Um, So on that post that I did, I got so many good recommendations. And so what I've been watching this week is um, I watched a documentary called Mommy Dead and Dearest. I had to rent it on Google Play. I think it's available other places too. And it's about a mom who had um, Munchausen by proxy. Have you heard of that? uh Uh-uh. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a mental illness um, where a caretaker literally is making their person that they care for ill. On purpose? Um, usually in an attempt. On purpose, yes. In an attempt to get attention or, you know, in this case, the lady was, she got a ton of attention and free housing and free trips and things like that. So there's, there's that documentary. It's an hour and a half long. And so I watched that. Then... On Hulu, there's a dramatization of the story of the of the of the mom and daughter. And that one is called the Act. So if you have Hulu, it's oh, you know free my or whatever. Gosh. Okay.
0: I'm totally Listen, linking so that good. post that you posted in our show notes so people
1: can also look at all the recommendations you got. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I got like sixty recommendations or something. It was crazy. So um I've literally been Marco Poloing with one of my employees for like two days about this story back and forth <laughs> because it's so fascinating. So um, that's the one thing that I'm loving right now. Um, gosh, do you want more? I could think of more. No, that's awesome. Okay, funny story.
0: When <laughs> okay. Mary Scott and I decided to start this podcast, well, actually, truly, it was more Mary Scott's idea than it was mine, and I just kind of jumped on board just out of excitement, Later on down the road, but at first she was like, "Hey, I think we should start a podcast." I thought, "What the hecky are we going to talk about?" Because the only podcast I listen to are true crime, <laughs> and so I was like, "We we don't have murder mysteries to talk about." And she laughed. She's like, "That's not Rachel." Oh gosh, she's like, "No, that's not all podcasts are." And I was like, "Oh really?" Because I that's just hilarious. we're just yes. so stuck in a true crime world. Yes. Okay, so I love true crime too. It's so funny. I do feel like that sometimes I have to get myself out because I go into a spiral and. There's, like, the nights that I'm spending the night alone or Thomas is on a trip. I cannot. I mean, I just literally have to play worship music and sleep because I'm haunted. So I do have to find the balance between what's too much, like, what can Rachel handle. But it's, like, fascinating. well,
1: it's... It is fascinating, and I think that's so true. Like, I I think you have to have. I mean, people call it a literal palate cleanser, not literal, and a, a mental palate cleanser after binging on some of that. And I do have some palate cleansers of like I listened to this one podcast that she talks about like recipes and how to feed a crowd. She's uh, her name's a lazy genius, and like that's just normal she has a nice voice and it's not you know chaos and whatever and i listen to a pop culture um podcast because it's silly it's called the podcast it's just hilarious and it doesn't matter you know so i think that's important too like i I will say i am less bothered by true (laughs) it's not real yes exactly i i'm not as bothered by true crime as a lot of people i know but i still do try to it would partake in plenty of fluff. I really do. Of course.
0: <laughs> no. Okay. I'm going to link all of this in the um, show notes that we have because I think people would be also fascinated by true crime and by all of your palette cleansers. I've never heard it come okay. before. I love it. Palette cleanser.
1: I need yes. a palette cleanser. Um, I need some sorbet. I need some like ear sorbet right now because ear my ears sorbet. are just so full of. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of sounds nasty. The ginger to my sushi.
0: Yeah. Like palette <laughs> I love it. No, really? That, okay, it's necessary. Palette cleansers are necessary in real life too, not even with true crime, for real. Uh, yes, 100%. You just get so fired up about just stepping into people's world and leaving it more beautiful than you found it. I can, I, I, I don't know. I just, I literally can hear it in your voice of how pumped you get about that and adoption. And so this Aww. episode for me is so just inspiring like it breathed a new life and like fresh air into me of being like yeah I want I want to be that passionate about the things the Lord's placed in my life too so this has been a blessing for me for sure and I know it's going to be a blessing
1: for listeners too we're just thank you so much grateful to have you yeah yeah I'm, I'm I really appreciate it it means a lot to to hear those things and and get feedback and I just I couldn't be more grateful thank you so
0: funny story Right after we recorded this episode, I actually went straight over to my office, a small room on the side of our house, that's neglected, and made a game plan. I felt so inspired. I felt like there was a choice to make things mine and to put things where they belong and so I can create a space for Thomas and I. I hope you're leaving inspired to do the same for yourself and your loved ones. It's just a simple task of putting books back where they belong or filing papers the way that they should be more immediately than maybe you normally do. Maybe it's cleaning out that junk drawer that you've been eyeing for a while, or tackling a whole room that's easily become your storage unit, like me. (laughs) I feel like it can bring a sense of peace to a place right now, and then you're able to usher in your guests into that space as well. If you're more interested in Tara and what she has to talk about and offer through consultations with Housepiece, you can find all the information and links over on our show notes at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. If you're loving today's episode and the podcast has become one of your favorites, we would love if you headed over to iTunes and left us a quick review. You know the drill. Reviews are simple and easy and only take a few seconds to do, but they mean the world to us. This allows other people who may stumble across our podcast quickly gain a little idea about what it's about, and maybe it would speak to them as well. You are truly the greatest, and we are so grateful for you, and that we get to do this every single week for all of you guys in this community that we have, and we couldn't do it without you. See you next week.